Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At last, we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last, we will have revenge. Don't make me destroy you. It's time to let old things die. I am no Jedi. Welcome to episode number 20 of Doing Talking, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Madison, and this has been an exciting week in Star Wars, another exciting week in Star Wars, more than usual for the past few months, because we've been having new episodes of Resistance every week, but other than that, the news on the Star Wars front has been kind of quiet. It's been little things here and there, little tidbits, but yesterday we got great news from... Disney, who made several big announcements yesterday about programs that are going to be on their new streaming service, which is coming late next year, 2019, and it's going to be called Disney Plus, and the new Star Wars show that they announced is a show all about Cassian Andor, and if you remember Cassian, he is, of course, from Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So this will be set during the era of the Rebellion versus the Empire, prior to the original trilogy, post-Revenge of the Sith, and it's going to be a spy thriller, according to StarWars.com. So I'm very excited by this. Um, I think there's a lot of potential here, because in Rogue One, we see these characters kind of at the end of their journeys. I know that we have Jen's kind of all-encompassing journey. Like, we start seeing the flashback when she was a child, and we kind of see, like, where she comes from and how she ends up. We see more of her story, I think, than anyone else, although I still think there's, like, there could be other stories there, like, some prequel, like, smaller stories, not things that are, like, TV show-worthy, but um, her time with Saw Gerrera, they could... I think it's already been covered a little bit in some prequel comics or a novel, maybe. I can't remember, but we saw the majority of her story because it was in Rogue One. Prior to that, she had no allegiance to the Rebellion or to the Empire. She she kind of fought with Saw sometimes, I think, but... Uh, I mean, she helped him with what he was doing, but she had no real allegiance or cause. She was just kind of surviving until suspicions grew about who she was. Um, 
So there's not too much else to tell about Jen. We get a little bit of her story, too, from the Forces of Destiny episodes. But with Cassian, there's a whole lot more to talk about prior to the events of Rogue One, because as he says in Rogue One, I've been in this fight since I was six years old. So there's a lot to tell there, because <laughs> that he's been with the Rebellion a long time. He's gone on a lot of missions, probably fought in a lot of battles, and you can see how hardened he's become by the events of Rogue One. I think it would be interesting if they maybe show a bit of his development towards that hardened version of himself, uh, so they could show a bit more of his his development towards that person, like kind of how in Solo A Star Wars Story, Han is kind of like the young wide-eyed version of himself. He's not as uh, cynical and bitter as he becomes like when we see him in A New Hope. So they could do a bit of that or it could still be like hardcore like ready to kill anyone who could be a witness Cassian Andor. Like I'm so excited by the fact that they're describing it as a spy thriller because he's not a Jedi obviously. He's not a force user of any kind, so it's just going to be like really intense, just, I don't know, like just really, the characters that aren't force users feel a lot more vulnerable. They, when they get in these combat situations, it's not like they can just force choke their way out of it or <laughs> just use their powers to easily overcome their opponents. They don't have lightsabers. It feels a lot more deadly. It feels a lot more dangerous when they go into these combat situations. So I'm really looking forward to having this intense, um, just really, like, action-packed, like, um, I'm trying to think of the word. Like, I love spy movies. I love, I mean, there's a sense of fun about it when they're doing, like, infiltration missions. It's like, there you get to use all these cool gadgets and spy and gain information for the rebellion in this case. I think it's just going to be a lot of fun. Like if it's like Mission Impossible, but maybe a bit more serious, a bit darker, like I'm going to love that if it's anything like that. It's just, I mean, it's Star Wars, so it's going to be fun, obviously, but Rogue One had this darker tone to it, this feeling of real war, like showing the brutality of war and how it changes people, and I hope they keep that aspect in the, in the show about Cassian, because it really fits his character, it fits the time period, like, I want them to show how dark this time was when the Rebellion was fighting such a seemingly hopeless fight against the Empire. Plus, this is prior to any major victory on the Rebellion's part, it's the really early days. So I feel like it's going to be a bit more small scale. It's before the Death Star and all this kind of stuff. So it's going to be really like on the ground, like spying on the Empire, trying to get information about any kind of weaknesses, like any kind of positions they can take, like maybe a space station, like a small space station or like bases on planets. Like it's going to be smaller targets than like the Death Star. <laughs> so... I, I enjoy that. I enjoy smaller stakes stories, um, kind of like Solo. That was a bit of a smaller stakes story compared to, uh, say, The Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi or The Last Jedi. Like, all of those have much bigger 
galaxy-impacting stakes than Solo did, but it was still a really fun, really enjoyable story. And you guys know me, I'm going to take all the Star Wars content I can get, so I'm really excited about all these additional shows and just novels, games, like all these things that they're announcing in addition to films, because I just love Star Wars. And I will consume, like, just about anything that they give me. Especially when it's, you know, I say that, but what I mean by that is I'm interested in just about, like, all these new characters they're giving us. I love them. I think they're interesting. They're fun. I want to know more about them. So I'm, like, ready for all of this stuff that they're offering us. I still have high standards for the stories, so when I say that I'll consume anything they give me, I don't mean if they give me crappy stories, I'm going to love it. <laughs> That's not what I mean. I mean, I love what they've given me so far since Star Wars has been under Disney. I've loved all this new content, character, story, what have you. So I am fully confident that I'm going to enjoy this as well. They've really built up my faith and my confidence in them. I mean, they started off strong, have only been getting stronger in my opinion, so... <laughs> I'm ready. Honestly, like, a Cassian Andor show was not at the forefront of my thinking. Like, if someone had said, what do you want next for Star Wars? Like, say Star Wars is going to have a new TV show other than The Mandalorian on the streaming service. What do you want it to be? I'll be honest, uh, a Cassian show would have been really far down. Uh, it would not have come to my mind. <laughs> but... Now that they're giving it to me, I will take it. I'm going to watch it, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to love it, because I do love Cassian. I really enjoyed him and Diego Luna's awesome performance as him in Rogue One, so I'm excited to see more of him. I'm excited to see what they do with that. I also have hopes of, because of the time period, maybe Emphis Nest could show up. I loved Emphis Nest in... Solo, and she has so much potential for just being an awesome rebel, like, fighting for the rebellion. She's just, like, the moment I saw her on screen, like, before the mask came off, I, I figured it was a woman. I just had a feeling <laughs> because they were trying too hard with the mask, like, making this hyper-masculine voice and everything. I assumed it was a woman because, like, and she seemed kind of smaller, kind of built like a woman. I figured it out pretty early, and, um... I was just like, man, this is great. This is, like, a unique character here. I love the backstory. I love the, um, the music, too, was something that really got to me just immediately. When her theme came on the first time I saw Solo, it just, like, sent a chill down my spine. I was like, okay, this is already one of the best Star Wars scores, like, songs in a Star Wars movie ever. <laughs> like, it's incredible. The unique... Like, look up interviews with John Powell where he talks about the Bulgarian women's choirs that he used to make these, to make this theme for Emphis Nest. It's so unique. It plays into her character and her history with her mother. And I just think there's so much good stuff to mine there with this character. They need to bring her into the show. Or they need to give her her own show. I don't care. <laughs> just give us more Emphis Nest. I need to know more about her. She's... She's so young at the time, you can cover a little bit before if you need to, but you've got plenty of material to go forward with as she gets older and fights for the Rebellion. I just feel like there's so much potential there, like, give her that opportunity to shine, because 
I know I'd like to see it, and I know so many other people would as well. So, that is one character that I would really, really love to see in the Cassian show, or getting her own show, or at the very least, like, some novels or something. But she deserves some, like, more screen time. So, hopefully a TV show or a TV show appearance. Yeah, that's my campaigning for Infant's Nest material today. <laughs> Speaking of campaigning, the Star Wars Fan Awards are still open for audience choice voting, and that runs until November 13th, and I think it's like until right before midnight on, so like 11.59 on November 13th is the last like chance to vote after that it closes, and yeah, winners will be announced sometime after that in December, so if you haven't voted, be sure to go vote for me, because I am in the Star Wars Fan Awards. I made it as a finalist in the Visual Arts category. So if you haven't voted for me, please do so. And if you have already voted, do it again, because you can vote once a day. So be sure to do that if you like my art and want to support it. Also, if you're a Raylo, because it's definitely Raylo art. So if you're a Raylo shipper go support the ship. <laughs> There's also another piece in the visual art category that's also Raylo, so go Raylos. Two of us made it through. We're both finalists, so congrats to them as well. Please support both of us, and yeah, again, that's that opened up on the 2nd, so the voting is running from November 2nd to November 13th, so you can vote once a day until voting closes. That's my plug for the day. <laughs> Go vote Star Wars Fan Awards. And again, that is in the visual art category, not the short or long video or photograph. Those are all great and awesome too. But mine is in the visual art category. And also, I should say, you don't have to vote for just me. You can vote for as many things as you want. So, like, you could vote for me, you could vote for someone else in the visual art category, and you could also vote for someone in long and short video and in the photograph section. I mean, you can vote as many times for as many people as you want, so don't feel like obligated to support one person. You can support as many artists as you want, and you can vote as many times as you want, as long as it's no more than once a day. So, with that said, I'm going to talk about the most recent episode of Star Wars Resistance, which is very exciting. It's called The Children from Tahar, and I have a lot to say on this one. <laughs> So it's drop yourself in. You might wanna buckle up, baby. So I'll be honest, I had no idea what this episode was gonna be about. I watched none of the preview clips or anything, so I went into it blind. I heard some rumblings on Twitter the day of that. If you were a fan of the sequel trilogy, you would love this episode. Obviously something exciting and something that tied in a bit with the movies happened, and so I was getting really excited because my thoughts immediately went to, is Kylo Ren in this episode? Is Kylo Ren mentioned in this episode? Well, I was not disappointed. And you see, I'm too impatient. I can't just discuss this in chronological order and then work my way up to it. I'm just jumping right in here, so... <laughs> In this episode, we have two children from the planet of Tahar, which is located somewhere, as Captain Phasma says, in the Unknown Regions. And 
real quick, The Unknown Regions is has been in the background of the sequel trilogy era. We know that Snoke was doing things out there. The First Order was kind of, it kind of arose from the Unknown Regions because that's a less explored area to the people of the Star Wars galaxy. It's out so far that, um, it's out so far that you can kind of do things in secret there. There are a lot of unmined resources out there possibly some Force-related things, and so Palpatine, we discovered, this was talked about a little bit in the Last Jedi novel, so if you want to know a little bit more about this, you can go read that by Jason Fry. It's really good and definitely worth reading to get some extra insight into The Last Jedi, so I highly recommend that. But that novel mentions how Palpatine was doing things out in the Unknown Regions secretly. He had kind of some backup plans, like you know how Palpatine is, but Snoke kind of took over that when he rose to power, and we find out in this episode, or I, should I say it's solidified, that the First Order is doing things out in the Unknown Regions. We don't know, like, a lot of specifics, but we find out a bit more in this episode of Resistance, which I really, really enjoyed and appreciated. So, here's what happens. These two kids came from this planet to Har, where the First Order showed up. We don't know exactly what they were doing there, but probably mining resources, like getting fuel to, you know, power their fleet. Maybe there was something else special on the planet. We don't know. All we know is that these two children, their village was destroyed, and we think they were the only ones left. Maybe some other people got captured, but it sounded like to me that a lot of them were killed. A lot of them were massacred, which is so tragic. Drives home the casualties of war, which is important to do because war hasn't officially broken out between the First Order and the Resistance yet. It's kind of a Cold War kind of a situation going on right now, but the First Order is already committing massive atrocities against innocent people just trying to live their lives. They're already being tyrannical. They're already just wrecking these people's lives. And we find out from these two children that the the person they sent to do this to their village was none other than Kylo Ren. So they, of course, are traumatized. They're talking about how he just wore this mask and had a laser sword and he was just t this terrifying visage of destruction and oh my gosh it like broke my heart when they were talking about him because I was like I mean I wasn't surprised at all like no one should be this is what Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo did this I mean it's very similar to what he did at the beginning of The Force Awakens when he shows up and attacks the village on Jakku I mean he doesn't personally kill anyone except Lor Santeca but he authorizes the massacre of the villagers there by the stormtroopers and this is who he is like for a lot of people think that us Ben Solo and Kylo Ren fans are like we aren't aware of his crimes <laughs> I mean you'd be surprised how many people have been like did you know that Kylo Ren killed his father in The Force Awakens did you know that he ran a lightsaber through Han Solo's chest and then let him fall to his death. Yeah, um, I watched the movie a lot of times, I noticed. <laughs> but for some reason they think that us, like especially us 
women, us fangirls, as so many call us, they think that we're blind. They think that we have rose-colored glasses on when we look at Ben Solo and we don't see the horrible things he's done. We don't see what a terrible person he is when he starts off The, For the Force Awakens. Um, yeah, they think we're blind to that because, uh, I don't know, he's attractive or something? Like, apparently, you are no longer allowed to think that a character is attractive, or it skews your interpretation of the character to where it is no longer applicable. It is no longer valid. So, <laughs> so to all of you out there, if you ever thought a character was attractive, you're not allowed to talk about them, you're not allowed to write essays, you're not allowed to give your opinion because it is automatically invalidated. I'm just kidding, by the way, that's not true at all, that's inaccurate. <laughs> so anyway, back from that tirade, can you tell I've been on Twitter the past couple of weeks? Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> I was not surprised at all to hear about another horrible, yet another horrible deed that Kylo Ren has committed. It's heartbreaking, yes, to hear about it. Surprising? No. So, I mean, I, I actually think it enriches the story even more to see the horrible things that he was doing before the events of The Force Awakens when he really starts to feel that pull to the light even more intensely and he's having to fight it even harder. Because... We start, like, when we find him in The Force Awakens, the struggle is really, like, kicking up a notch. When Rey enters the story, like, everything changes, and he he starts to question things more, um, and he's caught off guard, and before that, there was no one who could challenge him. He's this really, really powerful Force user who has not met his match before The Force Awakens, so he's just kind of a probably kind of like a killing machine at this point. Um, but there, there's a question I want to bring up here because the two children survived, which I think is interesting. Why did everyone else die but these two children survived? Because we know how powerful Ben Solo is with the Force. He can sense tiny things happening around him for instance, in the village on Jakku, he senses Finn's hesitation, his reluctance to fire. He turns and looks right at him. He knows. And he lets Finn go. Because I think, personally, he's, he empathizes with that. He empathizes with that hesitance, that reluctance, and that conflict internally. And so he lets Finn go. It's kind of like an I understand you moment, so I'm going to give you a pass this time. Because... I feel like Ben Solo has had a lot of those moments along the way. And he might have even had that moment on Tahar. What if he sensed these two children? He sensed they were still there, that they were still alive, and they were hiding. And he was like, I can't do it. I can't butcher these two young children. You know? And... That's something that might have happened. That's something we need to keep in mind because that would be a nice nod there to Ben Solo's conflict, his inability to fully complete his orders, his mission, to do what Snoke tells him to do because he's still trying to prove his loyalty to Snoke at this point and 
we know by the point of The Force Awakens that he still hasn't fully been tested. He still hasn't fully proven his loyalty to Snoke because he's... Snoke's like, you have to kill your father because even you, master of the Knights of Ren, have never faced such a test. So that was a really bad Snoke impression. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, he's still... He's still testing Ben Solo at this point because Ben hasn't fully proven himself to Snoke yet. So that makes me think that he's done things or hasn't done things that have made Snoke continue to doubt him and doubt his full, complete loyalty. So letting these children go, letting these children live would be something that would fit into the narrative so well. And like, to be honest, I'm just so excited that it's there because... I didn't know how much in Star Wars Resistance they were going to include, like, Force-related stuff and characters. I didn't know how much they were going to fully, like, interweave with the movies. But this has given me a lot of confidence that it's going to happen, that there's... that this show is going to enrich the sequel trilogy. It's going to support it, and it's going to give us more backstory, more context for everything, and I'm just really, really beyond excited about that. Obviously, the children can't rat out Kylo Ren right now because they clearly don't know that he spared them if he did, like, consciously spare them. They don't know if he did, or they don't know that he did because they were talking about him like he's this ruthless monster, this ruthless killing machine. He's like, he killed everyone. He was terrifying. They, it, so if he did consciously spare them, they don't know about it. They can't rat him out. They can't tell that he had a moment of weakness or mercy um, depending on your point of view. Why am I doing so many impressions today? Oh, <laughs> I need to stop. You guys are probably, like, rolling your eyes. But this could come back later on in the story. Like, if the first, like, I should say when, because it's when the First Order finds out that these children survived and they did not, in fact, die on the Colossus like they currently think they did because Commander Pyre will tell them that they did. When they find out that these children are still alive, that may be a moment for Kylo where where Phasma, Hux, or Snoke is like, you failed, you did not complete your mission like you told us you did. You left these children alive. And that could be a nice moment where we see the conflict of Kylo Ren, we see how people in the First Order might doubt him because he keeps refusing to complete these tasks like to the fullest he cannot um maybe he can't kill young children maybe that's where he draws the line so I mean I I'm looking forward to learning more about that more specifically about what Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren is willing to do for the First Order and yeah I want to know what they were doing on Tahar I want to learn more about that because Phasma said great everyone's dead we can continue with the plan the, the threat to the plan is no longer here because these witnesses are dead, right? What was the plan? What were they doing on Tahar? And why would they send Kylo Ren? Because usually when Kylo Ren's involved, the Force is involved. It's something... Is it something for Starkiller Base? Is, is what powered Starkiller Base Force-related? We know that they drained the power of a sun to power Starkiller Base, but was some kind of Force-related device involved in being able to accomplish that, or was it purely a technological marvel? We don't know. Or is this something else entirely that is still Force-related that 
Snoke wants Kylo Ren to go and investigate. Is there some kind of artifact or knowledge, like ancient knowledge, that would be useful? I mean, we don't know. It could literally be anything, but the fact that Kylo Ren is involved makes me think the Force is involved somehow, because if it's just you're wanting to mine some resources, you're wanting to take this planet, why not just send the army? Why not just send Hux and the Stormtroopers or Phasma? Why do you send Kylo Ren unless you really need him? Because sounds like to me it was a pretty defenseless village that he just slaughtered. So <laughs> could have been the work of Stormtroopers easily. Why was Kylo Ren there? Again, I think this is all stuff that's going to come back later and we're going to get answers to these questions. And they're just setting up the story right now. They're setting it up. They're giving us a little bit of what's going on. And they're going to feed us more information, more answers as the story progresses. So obviously that was the major highlight of the episode for me. The other highlight for me was the turtle people. <laughs> or as Niku called them, the shell folk. So they were the most like amazing Star Wars-y thing like in the show so far. Like it was just so random and weird. I mean, and Star Wars so often is that. Like the it reminded me of like the Ewoks or the Gungans or something. Just the most outlandish like creatures and aliens like but these are just turtle people. It's like the Ewoks were these cute little teddy bears and now we have like these cute little turtle people and oh my gosh. Okay. So I was literally laughing out loud so hard, like it was, it was amazing, because there was this turtle guy, and I should say, for people who haven't watched, the turtle, the, well, the shell folk are the engineers kind of on the Colossus, I shouldn't say engineers, they're like mechanics, they work inside the, like the inner structure of the Colossus, and they're like maintaining systems and things, and... <laughs> This one turtle was in the background of a shot while Kaz and Niku were talking to one of the other turtles. One was in the background, and I was watching him the entire time he was in the background because he was, like, slowly turning a wrench, and it was so slow. I, I don't know why it was so funny to me. It just was. I could not stop laughing. <laughs> and, oh my gosh. Okay, so do you remember Zootopia? For anyone who's seen Zootopia... I haven't actually seen it, but I saw the trailer, and I know, right? I'm sorry I haven't seen Zootopia. I'm sure it's great. I will get around to it one day, but I will never forget in the trailer for Zootopia. I saw it a million times. Like, whenever I went to a theater to see a movie and they played this trailer, I would die laughing every time because there was a sloth working at the whatever. I don't even remember what they were going, like, the fox and the rabbit were going to do. But there was a sloth working there, and he was just, like, moving so slow, typing each letter in. <laughs> and, like, something funny happens. I think the fox tells a joke, and it takes, like, ten seconds for it to register on the sloth's face. And he, like, slowly grins. And, it, it, oh my gosh, guys. That was like that for me. Just equally funny. Just... I don't know why that kind of humor just, like, gets me. <laughs> but I'll never forget that from that trailer. It's still one of the funniest things ever to me. It's still a GIF. I use that GIF all the time. The, like, super slow 
really dramatic, excited grin from ear to ear. It's just, oh my gosh, guys, it's so funny. And that was like this for me, just having this turtle in the background, like, slowly turning a wrench. It, oh my gosh. <laughs> and they, they talk really slow. I mean, they're, they're like turtles in every way. And it's like Niku's translating word by word, and it's really slow, and oh my goodness, it was just really, like, kudos to them for doing this scene with the turtle, well, scenes with the turtle people, because that was, like, a major highlight for me. I was laughing a lot, so loud. <laughs> it was so enjoyable, and it was a nice counterbalance to the darker undertones of the rest of the show, because honestly, I didn't know how dark Resistance would go. I didn't think it would go dark at all, or anything close to, like, the Clone Wars or Rebels, but... Here we are, we're, we have these two children running from a village where everyone got killed and they saw it happen and they're traumatized and they're talking about this Kylo Ren, this monster who's killing people and I mean it was kind of dark, the, the rest of the episode's kind of dark so you have these shell folk who are just like rays of sunshine to brighten the rest of the episode and provide some humor and it was just great, it was so Star Wars and I just loved it. <laughs> Speaking of moments that I thought were funny and that I really enjoyed in this episode, Aunt Z, again, is always a highlight for me. I love how at the beginning, when Kaz goes to the cantina, he's like, Hey, Aunt Z, what have you got for a roguish pilot on a budget? And she's like, Water. Your budget ran out two sips ago. <laughs> because she hands him a water and he's, like, drinking it and he gets, like, two swallows before she yanks it away from him. And it is so funny. And Niku comes up, you know, and he's like, I'll pay for the rest of that and everything. Um, because Niku apparently has all this money. <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from, but... Um, or maybe he doesn't have a lot and he's just really unselfish with it. We don't know yet, but... He comes up and uh, pays for Kaz's water and Ozzy's like, this is a real friend, you know, you should keep him around. And I'm like... Yes, Anzi is right, Kaz. <laughs> Niku is the good friend here. You need to keep him, even though he can be a bit trying sometimes because he keeps, like, spoiling your spying efforts. <laughs> um, we also learned about Captain Doza some more in this episode. We figured out that he's not so innocent and good-intentioned as he seemed in the last episode when he appeared to be rejecting the First Order's offer. I was kind of like, oh, so he's the decent guy after all. He leans more towards the New Republic. He doesn't want to help the First Order or welcome them onto the Colossus. But then in this episode, he's like, here's a peace offering, basically, uh, so that we get on good terms here. Uh, let me help you find these children that escaped. And I was like, how dare you? <laughs> I felt so betrayed because I kind of liked him, but now I don't. Um, <laughs> Tora's still on my good side, but Captain Doza is definitely on the naughty list right now because I was like, how dare you try to give them those children? <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's trying to kind of play both sides, I think, too, because I think the Colossus is, is his top priority. He wants to keep it safe, protect the people there, and um, he has no problem working with the criminal underworld, obviously, and he has no qualms about playing both sides with the Resistance and the First Order, so, or the New Republic and the First Order, so 
Um, he's a bit difficult to read. You can't really tell what his motivations are beyond protecting the Colossus and his daughter and his own interests, if there are any motivations for him beyond that. Um, so he's still questionable. Uh, he's not the worst, but he's certainly not the best either. And yeah, I'm interested to kind of keep following him and figure out what really makes him tick, like where he stands on this kind of stuff. Because letting the First Order hunt down two escaped kids who he knows are probably running because they're trying to kill them, that's not a good guy, <laughs> you know? Um, I hope he turns his act around later, that he ends up helping the Resistance, but I'm not betting on it. Um, I foresee conflict between Tora and her dad, possibly, where she's like wanting to help the Resistance in the New Republic and he's not. Maybe she becomes, like, a resistance fighter and he doesn't approve. I can see stuff like that happening down the road, possibly. Also, there's that random symbol. I don't know what it is. I don't know if anyone does at this point. I'm intrigued to learn about what it is, though. The, the, the children had this on them, a little symbol that a lot of characters seem to find very interesting, especially Captain Doza. I don't know if he knew what it meant, or maybe he had some hints, I don't know, but something's going on there, and again, I think that's going to be something that's going to come back in a future episode, like an organization or something that this symbol stands for, and that's another hanging thread that I'm really interested to see where that goes. The last aspect of this episode I want to talk about before I start to wrap things up is Kaz's journey in this episode because he starts off very naive. He's only thinking about making some credits. He wants to be able to pay for the part that Tam needs that he messed up. He wants to be able to pay to support himself on the Colossus. And uh, so he's only thinking about credits at the beginning. He's thinking very selfishly, wanting to help himself and get in the good graces of, you know, people like Tam, who are angry at him currently, and <laughs> he's like, hey, here's a bounty on these children that are missing. If I go and find them, I can return them to whoever's looking for them. I'll be, you know, a great guy, because I'm returning these missing kids, and I'll make a lot of money along the way. He doesn't even think about why these kids are on the run, where they came from, what kind of horrible people might be trying to track them down, none of that stuff. It's not until he meets these kids he finds out their story, where they came from. He has sympathy for them, and you see the kindness and the selflessness of Kaz when he's willing to, you know, risk his own safety to protect these children, to hide them from the First Order, an endeavor and a plan which succeeds thanks to the help of Niku and the turtle people. <laughs> so, Kaz gives up the money. He gives up, I think it was like 20,000 credits. It was a lot. Um, he gives up all that to protect these two kids. And, again, great Star Wars message of taking or valuing friendships and relationships with people over credits. I think that's great, great lesson to teach there. And it shows Kaz's more of his personal growth, like learning more about the complexities of the world and learning more about the, uh, evil's not the word I'm looking for, but yeah, the evil nature of the First Order. Like, 
who he's learning who he's really fighting against, like how dark this First Order really is, and he's sort of, again, this is more about that journey from like childhood into adolescence and adulthood where the character matures. They learn more about the complexities of the world around them because they always start with a kind of naive view, a simple view of everything, and they learn along the way that everything's not as black and white as they thought it was. Everything's not so simple as they thought it was, and that's what we see happening with Kaz here. But, I mean, most importantly, we learn... We've learned time and time again on this show that he has a good heart inherently. He's just a a good person. He wants to help people. He wants to do the right thing. And we've learned that he's willing to sacrifice possessions and money to do that. We saw him sacrifice his trophy that was so special to him to save someone he didn't even like. To save someone who was mean to him. And now we see him sacrificing all these credits that could help him to protect these children, and I think that's really great. I, I love Kaz. <laughs> he's he's really, really great, and he's one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite character on this show so far, so um, yeah, I'm really, really enjoying him so far on the show, and yeah, I can't wait to see what happens with Kaz and these two kids uh, and the rest of the crew as Resistance continues, I wonder if they're going to really, like, keep these kids hidden because their faces have probably been plastered everywhere. They're probably going to have to stay in hiding on the Colossus at least for a while because Captain Doza, you know, if he sees them, he's going to report to the First Order and they'll be back. So, um, they might be hiding these kids with the shell folk for a while and kind of, like, bringing them food and stuff to take care of them. I don't know, but, uh... I guess we'll find out. We'll see a bit more of that in this coming episode on Sunday. So if you want to check out Star Wars Resistance, you can do so on Disney Channel at 10 Eastern. So that's 9 Central. So yeah, if you're a Star Wars fan, you haven't watched it yet, like you can start now. Be sure to pick up Star Wars Resistance because it's a good show that's only getting better. And yeah, that is all for this week's Resistance discussion. I'm going to wrap up this week's episode by playing a voicemail from a listener. We haven't done this before on the show, but I I want to always keep this show open to messages and, in this case, voicemails from listeners. So, I mean, if you ever want to have a comment that you want me to read on the show, or uh, I read reviews too, like if you leave a review on iTunes, I always read those out. I love reading any kind of messages or support from the listeners of this show. So, this week we have a special voice message from his username's Rural Farm Boy on Twitter, but his actual name is Anthony. He's the listener of Doing Talking, and he sent me a really great, a really nice message that I want to play on the show this week for you guys. So, yeah, I'm going to play that now. I'll do Madison. I'm Anthony and maybe you might vaguely recognize me from a social media electronical place folks call Twitter as Rural Farm Boy. I'm a new listener to your show but I'm a longtime Star Wars podcast listener and I am glad that I found your show that you do. Found it just a little piece ways from one of my 
moisture evaporators or was it a condenser? I don't remember which one. It's out there on the Western Ridge. But anyways, your most recent show I listened to was number 17, where he's keeping up with Star Wars comics. Was it Darth Vader? I think it was. That's Star Wars stories I don't follow, but thanks to you, you're keeping me up with what's going on in that greater part of Star Wars stories. And I thank you for that. Just know that I love the show that you do. Keep doing what you do, the way you do. And I'll be along for your next show. I have episode 18 in my feed right now on my really badly broken down for your old iPod Touch. And maybe I'll be listening to you in my home or maybe I'll be taking you along with me to work in my car or listening to you at my work. But may the force be with you. Count me along for many more listens. And I'll see you on the radio. That is such a kind message, Anthony. I want to say on the air, thank you so, so much for your message. I really appreciate it. It means so much to me to hear like personal stories from people who listen to the show, people who enjoy the show. Again, it just means so much to me. So thank you so, so much. I love hearing like where you guys listen, when you listen, like you said on the way to work or, you know, at home or at work. Like, it's all so great. I love hearing, like, that you guys are out there, you're listening to the show, you're enjoying it, you're enjoying more discussions about Star Wars because, let's, I mean, let's be honest, that's what we all want to do as Star Wars fans. We just want to talk about all Star Wars all the time. We're excited about what's happening. We want to share our opinions and our, the things we love with fellow Star Wars fans, and that's, really what this show is all about to me. I want to share my love of Star Wars with fellow fans. That's what I want to do. So to hear people like you, Anthony, responding to that and enjoying it, just, it makes me so happy. So may the force be with you, Anthony. And with that, I'm going to start to wrap up this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Next week, I will, of course, be again covering the newest episode of Star Wars Resistance, along with any additional Star Wars news that comes out between now and then. Remember to vote for me in the Star Wars Fan Awards in the Visual Art category. My work is called Balance, and it is the piece with, or one of the, like, two pieces, I think, that has both Ray and Ben Solo in it, and it is inspired by Mortis heavily from the Clone Wars, so I think... Yeah, most of you will recognize that. If you want to listen to any episode of Doing Talking, you can, of course, do so on doingtalking.com, Spreaker, iTunes, and YouTube. If you want to follow, support, keep up with the show, again, doingtalking.com. You'll get all the latest news and updates regarding the podcast. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Doing Talking, a Star Wars podcast, or Doing Talking Pod. And if you want to keep up with my personal Twitter, you can follow me at Madison underscore Thames. That's Madison underscore T-H-A-M-E-S. And also, I want to throw another little plug in here if you want to keep up with more of my geek-related 
podcasting. I'm often on the Geek Speak show and the Weekend Geek. So if you want to check out the latest episode of that, me and Henry talk about The Last Jedi. We go really in-depth and have a discussion about the movie, so be sure to check that out. The link is available on my Twitter and um, Facebook, and I'm also going to post it on doingtalking.com, so you can follow the link there. So be sure to check that out, and have a great weekend, all of you, and may the Force be with you. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.